Genesis chapter 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky. And count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and ill-treated there, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves." and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land, from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and Jebusites. Gracious Father, we come to you this morning to hear your voice speak to us. Father, we pray that, Lord God, you prepare our hearts by your spirit, Lord, that we can receive what you have prepared for us this morning. We ask this through Christ's name. Amen. As we approach this passage, the question that I'm bringing to it is, will God fulfill his promise to Abraham? Will God fulfill his promise to Abraham? You know, one difficult thing about God, when it comes to working with him, is his character of delay in his action. I'm sure many of you would agree that 
This is one area about God that we all struggle to handle very well, don't we? How do you handle God's delay? Especially when you need him most and he's not acting to fix your situational needs. Maybe you've been waiting on the Lord in prayer for something. And after several years of waiting, nothing seems to be happening. Perhaps you're a young lady or a young man and you've been praying to God for a partner. But after several years of waiting on the Lord, nothing seems to be happening. How do you handle God's delay? Especially when you need him most and he's not acting to fix your situational needs. Do you turn back on God and give up any confidence in prayer? Or do you still keep trusting and leave everything in his charge to run your life for you? You know, when it comes to this aspect of God, we are very much familiar with the pain and the frustrations and the challenges that it poses to our faith. And I want to suggest to you, friends, that this was the same struggle Abraham was facing at this stage of his work with the Lord. He responded to God's call to leave his homeland for a place where God promises to bless him, to give him the land, and to make him into a great nation. He was 75 years when he moved to Cana, and his wife Sarah was also very much advanced in age, and yet they responded to God's call and went to Cana. And when they got to Cana, the Lord appeared to them and confirmed his promise to them that to your offspring, I will give this land. Again, after the separation with Lord, the Lord appeared to Abraham to assure him of this same promise that all the land that you see, I will give it to you and your offspring forever. And more than that, he promises that his offspring is going to become as great as the dust of the earth. So Abraham has these promises from God to look up to, to wait for the land and to wait for the offspring that is going to grow to become a great nation. But a year comes and a year goes. Abraham's situation hasn't changed. No land, no offspring, not even a son to inherit his possessions. In the next chapter, which is chapter 16, we will be told that Abraham is 85 years. He has stayed in the land of Canaan for 10 good years. Though he is rich with many material possessions, but he has no offspring yet. Not even one. No land. And Sarah's situation is becoming even more impossible for any hope of a child. Will Abraham continue to believe God and trust him for these promises? Or will he give up on God? And if there is a moment for Abraham to vent out his weariness and emotional frustrations to God, this is the moment. And more importantly, it is the Lord who knows Abraham's heart at this point. And he comes to initiate this conversation for Abraham to talk back to him. And so the passage opens with the word of the Lord coming down to Abraham. The contest is after God had used Abraham to rescue his nephew Lot from the original battle that he got himself into. 
And now the word of the Lord comes to Abraham to assure him of protection. But more than that, to let Abraham know first of all that the Lord himself is his ultimate reward. You see, God wants Abraham to first see him as the most important reward he has before the things he has promised to give him. And that is very difficult for Abraham and for all of us too because we always want to first have the things God gives us before we can be truly and fully satisfied in him. And so this didn't mean much to Abraham as opposed to him expressing his deepest worries and concerns to God about how long he has been waiting on him for this child of promise. This is well highlighted by his repetition of his childless, childlessness and what that means to him. If you read verse 2, Abraham says, I continue childless, and by implication, the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Again in verse 3, you have given me no offspring. And again, by implication, a servant of my household will be my head. You can't miss it. This is Abraham's most ultimate concern. So you see, for Abraham, getting a child to inherit his estate is his greatest need. And he's been waiting on the Lord for this um, over, over a very long period. And if the Lord doesn't give him a child, then inevitably someone else is going to take um, hold of his possessions. But the Lord denies what Abraham thinks is going to happen. And he reassures him that he is going to give him a son who would inherit his estate. And more than that, it is not just a son that is going to give him. He is going to make him into a great innumerable multitude of nations like the stars in the heavens. You know, Abraham's concern was getting a son. But what God has for him is not just a son, but a great multitude of nations. And you know, these are great comforting words to Abraham at this stage of his walk with the Lord. It means to him that God hasn't forgotten him. These are ways of refreshing for Abraham to enable him to continue believing and still hoping for the promise of God. And so verse 6 tells us Abraham's response that he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. You know, this is the first time we are hearing this phrase that for the first time, Abraham gains a standing with God as a righteous man. Not because of works done on merit, but because of the simple act of faith, believing in what God has promised he will do for him. And this is the greatest gift, if you like, from God that Abraham could, could ever hope to gain. And this takes me to my first point the God who enables us to faith to gain what we do not deserve. The God who enables us to faith to gain what we do not deserve. Verse 1 to 6. You know, if you have been following the series um, so far about Abraham's journey with the Lord, we have seen that Abraham's life has been a mixture of good times and bad times. 
and next week we are going to we are going to um, see another bad week for Abraham. And so this declaration from God to Abraham is a very monumental event in his life that he gains righteousness from God that is not based on his good works but through faith in God's promises. And friends, you know, this is the kind of righteousness the gospel offers us. That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the true offspring of Abraham, that God sent him into our world to give us eternal life through his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave, God credits to our faith the righteousness of God. That is the good news. That Abraham's righteousness was just based on his faith in God's promises. And that is the same righteousness that God is offering to us today. It's a, it's a great news for the world. That God is offering the righteousness that is true faith to whoever, whoever that put his faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe you may not have understood the Christian message. This is the good news that we are preaching to the whole world. That God is still offering us his free gift of righteousness. But it is only in Christ Jesus Christ the Lord. And for us who are already in Christ, what that means is that our righteousness before God is not based on our good works. No. But what God has declared to us in Christ that we are now possessing his very own righteousness. The righteousness that we do not deserve. And so back to our passage. After the Lord had declared Abraham this righteous standard before him, verse 7, he goes ahead to tell him how he has committed himself in his plan to fulfill his promise to him. You know, all these along, maybe Abraham may not have known, but, you know, God has committed himself to a plan that is going to accomplish through Abraham. He took him from his home country and he brought him to this very land to give it to him and his offspring as their possession forever. So, you see, God has not been playing with Abraham. He's got a big plan and he's going to make sure that it happens. And so when God told Abraham about, about these things, what Abraham, or the question that Abraham asked God was, how am I to know that you're going to give this land to me? And if you look at the section from verse 7 to 21, God gives a big picture of his plan to Abraham. A plan that stretches beyond his life and goes further in many generations. God reveals the whole plan to Abraham that this is what all along I have been working towards you. And if he gets to hear this or know this, this will enable him to keep believing and trust in God's promises. And so I come to my second point that the God who binds himself to a covenant to fulfill his promise to us. The God who binds himself to a covenant to fulfill his promise to us. 
you know, if you read from verse 7 to 21, we are told how the Lord made this covenant with Abraham. And we notice that all that Abraham did was to bring the animals, a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, with a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these things, and he prepared them before the Lord. You know, when God called him to bring these things, he knew instantly that a covenant is in view here. And so we are told, you know, if you read the book of Je- um, Jeremiah chapter 34, verse 18, that in the ancient times when you are cutting a covenant like this, both parties will walk in between the animals that have been cut into halves, symbolizing that may it happen to me as these animals if I break my covenant. That is the meaning. God is committing himself to Abraham and he's saying that you see the way you have cut open the animals. May it happen to me if I break my promise. And so that tells you how serious and committed God is in fulfilling this plan to Abraham. You know, in verse 17, if you open to your, your page, you realize that it is only the Lord who walks in between the animals. Abraham doesn't walk in between it. God alone walks in between the cat animals. And that is an indication that it is only God who is binding himself to this covenant. He doesn't need Abraham. He doesn't need his obedience. He himself is taking the consequences. He's taking every bit of it upon himself that this happens. This is a unilateral, unconditional covenant that God is making with Abraham. He himself is going to do it. And this is fascinating, isn't it? That if you compare backward, that just as Abraham received a righteousness that is not based on his works, so again, it doesn't depend on Abraham. It doesn't depend on his obedience to make this promise come to pass. Everything is given to him as a gift. It is all about God who has committed himself in his plan to grant to Abraham and his offspring this land. Of course, later you read in Exodus that staying on the land permanently is going to be dependent on their obedience. But coming into the land, it is God who has committed himself to bring them into you. God has a plan. And he's going to use Abraham to accomplish that. You know, we know in the New Testament that when God was promising offspring to Abraham, he was pointing forward to the coming of Christ, the true offspring of Abraham, if you read Galatians 3.16. And when he was promising the land to Abraham, he was also pointing forward to the new world to come, the new creation, if you like. And so in that sense, the land of promise is still there to be entered, if only you become a child of Abraham. And so Paul writes in Romans 4, verse 13, that for the promise to Abraham and his offspring, 
that he will be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, according to Paul, those who follow the steps of Abraham's faith and believe in God's promises through Christ, they are those whom God will grant his righteousness to inherit this new world. And so when Christ was going to the cross, he was going to bind himself to this new covenant to guarantee a place for us in the new world. That is an amazing truth that we can receive from God. And this is how God has fulfilled his promise to Abraham and to his offspring. And so friends, I want to say that God has a plan in this world. He called Abraham and started with him. We have seen how Abraham was learning to know God and his ways. How he needed to learn how to walk with God. And we have seen that walking with the Lord means trusting him and holding on to his promise, even when he seems to be delaying. We have the gospel promises to hold on to. As someone said, God is never too late and is never too early either. Let us walk with the Lord in faith and accept his perfect timing for our lives, knowing that he is faithful. He is faithful. And so, as I bring my sermon to a close, I want us to think together that God is faithful. He has a plan. He chose Abraham for that plan. And in Christ, he is fulfilling that, that plan. He is offering us a free gift of righteousness. Righteousness that comes by faith alone in Christ. Not based on works, but faith alone in Christ. That through that righteousness, you and I are going to have access to. And be granted the opportunity to enter into his new world. That is the great news we have. And so as we wait on the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, let's wait in hope, in full trust, that God will ultimately fulfill every bit of his promise to us. And he has bound himself to a covenant, the covenant of Calvary, to show us that this is not a joke. This is the eternal plan that God is working towards us. May we close our eyes as I read in prayer. Your ways are always beyond our comprehension. And yet you have revealed your plans to us about where this universe is going. We know that, Lord, one day we will dwell in your new creation with Christ and behold your glory face to face. But until then, help us to persevere in this faith. Even though, Lord, things may not seem okay, or things may be delayed, help us, Lord, to keep trusting that, Lord God, at no point in our lives that we be enticed to drift away from your promises. We pray that, Lord God, your spirit will be at work in us and help us each and every day to believe in your word and your promises. That, Lord God, 
will be people who are ready for your coming. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.